Hi, I'm Callum Irving, and it's time for a very special Gradcast for the holiday season. Ho, 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 ho. Deck your rotations with tinsel. Festoon your talking points with fairy lights. Pack your morning tea Tupperware boxes with mince pies and start drafting your secret Santa strategies. Welcome to Gradcast's Year in Review. The stories, the advice, the tips and tricks, and some of the unexpected moments from 2022, all wrapped up and tied in a bow. Brought to you by CSC, the Commonwealth Superannuation Corporation. There's an acronym for every season, and for this one, it's Santa. Celebrate and navigate the archives. The Gradcast Archives. Wow, that's quite the opening, and it has been quite the year. Not only have I survived the podcast, but I've also survived being a grad. I'm new to the world of the APS, so join me on my journey as I make mistakes so you don't have to, and share my experiences firsthand. That was me on my very first episode. I think I'm sounding and feeling uh, a lot more comfortable by now. And my Gradcast partner, Krishna, has been with me all the way. Hey, hey, friends. Nine schools and two countries later, I've ended up in the APS. And I'll be giving you some tips on how to make the most of your time during yours. Not just with the work you do, but also using your time wisely to develop yourself during your grad year. Huge thanks to Krishna. You'll be hearing her as we relive some of the most memorable moments of 2022. Let's get cracking. Cue the proper theme tune. Welcome to Gradcast. I'm Callum. And I'm Krishna. And we're here to discover all the do's and don'ts of being a grad. One of the recurring themes of Gradcast has been, not surprisingly, how to get the best out of your grad year. And every grad has a tip or two. What I found in the public service is that there is a variety of different opportunities and career pathways I can follow. Um, I do want to continue my um, time in the public service to be able to continue to serve the Australian public in any capacity possible and hopefully find a career direction that uh, fits my interests and needs. One of my directors told me that data scientists who can understand business needs and communicate well are like unicorns. They don't exist. And so I made it my career goal to be a unicorn. I really like the opportunities that public service gives. Uh, They invest in you and invest in continuous learning, but also you you get that nice work-life balance in public service. Where do you see your career path heading from here? Well, that's probably the best part about the graduate program is I have no idea. So um, I love the team that I'm in at at the moment and the work we do is fantastic. Um, Later on in the year, I get to do a second rotation. So that'll be somewhere completely different, doing work that's completely different. And I might like that better. I might not like that as much and then go back to my original team. And then moving forward into the future, who knows? Who knows indeed. The journey of the grad begins even before you get the job, the dreaded interview. Preparation is crucial, as Lisa Tozer told us in episode three. Lisa runs a business called The Interview Coach, and she shared some of her insights 
about how to get through the interview successfully. One of the things that graduate employers are looking for is they want to see your motivation. And you can't really show them your motivation unless you can show them that you understand government priorities and that your values align with their values. Um, so I think that's one of the really key things. Um, another key thing is making sure you differentiate yourself. So everybody who's invited to a graduate assessment center is going to be qualified. Mm -hmm. And everyone is going to have, you know, um, a good uni degree and be a sure, team player absolutely, yeah. and be able to communicate. But what they're looking for, as any good team would be looking for, is to have a diverse team because diversity is, is strength, obviously. Um, so figuring out how you can differentiate yourself, either based on what your degree is or based on your work experience or maybe even your lived experience if you've lived overseas or something, I think that's super key as well. Lisa Tozer is well-versed in giving the advice about how to get the best out of an interview. But how is she when the tables are turned? Krishna found out. If you were a box of cereal, what type of cereal would you be and why? Oh, now you get to ask the tricky questions. Okay, Krishna. Well, um, I think I would be Sultana brand with OD clusters. Okay, very specific. I like it. Okay, yeah, because not just regular Sultana brand, because Sultana brand in its own right is, you know, very wholesome and good yes. for you, yes. you know, and I like to be wholesome. Um, but I also like those, like, those little dollops of fun that you find <laughs> randomly when you're eating your cereal in the morning. So every so often, I hope to come up with some little gem of fun to share with people. Wholesome and fun. That could be a mantra for Gradcast. Talking of mantras, so sure. I always tried to be a step ahead. Um, mm. You know, the five P's was my man mantra. Uh, prior preparation prevents poor performance. That's legendary basketball player and coach Cal Brusen. He uses his experience of top-class sport and his own life to help people reach their full potential. As well as many mantra, he has a few acronyms. It's not just the public service, you see. And Cal told me they're just as applicable in the workplace as they are on the basketball court. You know what? Uh, I would like to think, Callum, that there's not a whole lot of difference. Mm. You know, um, there's transferable skills. You know, yep. you, you have to build that within your, yourself. Uh, I call it your, your spines. You mm -hmm. know, you got to, like, you have your spine and your back, how important that is to you. If yeah. if you crack your spine, you're obviously going to be in a wheelchair, you know, and, and be, you know, supported probably for the rest of your life. I feel the same way about your spines. If you sure. crack your spines, then, then you're going to be all over the shop. You're going to be needing some help from every which way uh, it, can, it can possibly come. So spine, you're social. you got to be social. And I think, you know, uh, being able to establish relationships with people, you know, sure. is a key to life, you know. So the social being physical is about being healthy and, you know, healthy mind, healthy body, you know, getting your rest. And I just talk about staying up all the time. But, yeah, yeah. but getting your rest, eating properly, making sure you don't dissipate too much, you know. Uh, um, but, but being physically prepared to meet any challenges, you know, that you might come up against. Uh, intellectual. Uh, being able to talk to anybody at any time at all levels, uh, you, know, you, you know, it's all about the communication. And then it's the emotion side. You know, I always tried to maintain my emotions. Uh, never try to get too high and definitely don't get too low. Mm -hmm. You know, that's life. You know, it's, it's a roller coaster. And, 
and I've experienced it very young when I lost my dad, you know, him being murdered. And uh, I seen him when I was seven years old, you know, lying on the ground with a sheet covered over him. And, and I have a younger sister that was albino, and we're only 10 months apart, and, and she didn't understand it at all. And, and then I had my mom, who was just blown away, and she was nine months pregnant with my younger sister. So, so I grew up, you know, having to keep my emotions intact to look after my mom, you know, really early. And the last most important thing I feel in my spines, and this is what keeps me together, you know, I, I don't I don't frequent church every Sunday, but I do have a Bible and it stays open mm-hmm. and it's the spiritual side. So that's my spine. Social, physical, intellectual, mental, emotional and spiritual. And uh yeah. and my spine's intact, so <laughs> I'm good to go. Cal Bruton. NBL legend talking about the importance of communicating. And a lot of our conversations on Gradcast have been about that. Ellen Piper knows a lot about the nitty gritty of communicating in the workplace. She's a social style and versatility trainer. There are four main styles that they've identified through research over many years. And these styles are like your behavioral or communication styles. It's like where you go when you're on autopilot. So you're driving home, you can't even remember how you got there. It's the same thing for the things that you say and you do in the workplace or in your life. It's like when you go on autopilot, what your sort of home style is. Um, And so we have four of those. Uh, We have expressive types, amiable, analytical and driver types. So um, four different styles. Uh, That's very, very interesting because I just thought you're either a good communicator or a bad one, not that there's four entire styles. Um, Are there some ways that we can actually identify this style in ourselves or in somebody else? Definitely. And most of it is just about observing other people and observing yourself as well, just being a little bit more um, reflective and um, taking note of other people's behaviour. It's not your personality either as a very critical thing to know. You don't want to actually mix, like mix, mix up your communication or your behavioural style with who you are as a person. This is just on the surface, like the crust of a pie, not the inside gooey centre. I would love to know the pros and cons of some of these styles and it would be interesting for me to know which one is better than the other, if at all? Um, so these styles are different. They're not better or worse than each other. They each have their different pros and cons. And I can start with the expressive style. Um, so the expressive t- style is great at promoting and selling ideas. So that's um, something they're fantastic at, telling stories and getting people on board and excited about something. Um, whereas they're sort of the con in that instance is needing to check with others. Sometimes they get so excited about something, they've run off halfway down the track and uh, before they've, you know, they've checked with anyone and then that idea can't actually be executed for many reasons. For driver style, they're great at turning ideas into realities. They're really goal-centric, so they just want to like achieve, achieve the goal, reach the goal. Um, one of the things that they can uh that they do need to do is to listen more often um, as they can sometimes achieve the goal but at the cost of people or you know other um, less quantifiable kind of goals um, so for example you know you're running a program but you you know you can reach the goal but actually everyone in the program's burnt out half of them have quit uh, the customers have got what they wanted but it isn't exactly how uh, because we rushed so that's one example Um, Analytical types are great at doing the thinking work. So they like things to be accurate. Um, But one of the 
things that they're really good at is analysing information to make sure we're making good decisions or better decisions uh, because they're, they're really willing to take that time and look at all of the data and information. Uh, but one of the things they're not so good at <laughs> is they often sit on information too long and they want things to be accurate so much that even if they've got 99% of the data and they know that it, the answer is going to be X, they won't tell you until they've got that last 1% of data. Then we finally, we have the amiable type. Um, so they're really great at keeping team harmony and cohesion and building and developing teams that perform. Um, however, their growth action is to initiate. Sometimes um, they're a little more passive because they like everyone to get along and they're great at creating that team spirit. Um, sometimes they won't initiate anything because they just want to go, go with the flow. Ellen Piper there, going with the flow and giving some valuable words of advice. My CSC colleague, Alice Wang, also had style in her mind when she came to the Grandcast studio back in March. One of the most important things is to kind of gauge what that team's normal kind of working style and um, their kind of dynamic is and to just keep an open mind of like the fact that you might need to change your own mindset and the way you do think yourself. So I think one of the ways I did that was I decided to change my hair colour every time I changed teams to try and bring a little bit of a different version of myself to each team. Um, but I don't yeah, definitely wow. don't think you need to be as extreme in how you want to like kind of trigger your change of mindset. Style, in whatever form it comes, can only get you so far. Staying healthy is a vital part of making the grad year count. Going to the gym, bike riding, eating well, they're all part of that. But so is keeping your head healthy. So when Are You OK Day came around in September, we drilled down deep into the unique challenges of the graduate program when it comes to mental health over the course of two episodes. Those challenges can come from day one, as Samantha Juna from the APS Mental Health and Suicide Prevention Unit told us from her own experience. I left a really large and a really varied group of friends behind on the Gold Coast. So some of them had been in my life for years. You had friends from school, from uni, uh, from different, you know, community groups or volunteering. So lots of different and your retail friends from working, you know, at Cotton On. Um, when you get into a grad program, everyone is the same and everyone is in the same sort of situation. Well, not everyone, but, you know, two thirds of the ones that relocate certainly are. And it's just not the same when you're starting out with a new group of people. So whilst everyone was really lovely and I certainly made some fast friends, not having people that really understand the, the depth or the kind of history of you can be a bit draining. You know, why someone might respond to something a certain way or why you might feel a certain way about something, you kind of have to explain all of that from the get-go. I also found that a bit suffocating that all of your friends work in the same department as you or they're all graduates, uh, which was certainly my experience. <laughs> And not having that kind of variety was was um, a bit of a challenge. But to overcome that, I was really I was really lucky. I had um, a buddy who was in my team that was from the cohort above me, uh, and so you know she would take me out and I'd meet some of her friends who were all also graduates, I think, from memory, but not from my cohort and a little bit removed and separated. You know, I I, um, I think I went to the dawn service with them that first year in Canberra. You know, it was nice to have someone that was a little bit removed from what can be a bit um, a bit clicky and a bit gossipy at times because everyone's sort of in everyone's business. Uh, everyone's, you know, spending 
lunch breaks together, doing things after work together, uh, going out on the weekends and exploring Canberra together as well. So I do think it's really important to have that opportunity, if you can, to make some friends that are outside of the bubble because, you know, you never know when you might meet them. That building of connection that Sam talked about is so important, as is being aware of the scale of the mental health pressures in and out of work. And grads are no exception. Rachel Clements, who's the principal psychologist at the Centre for Corporate Health, laid out the facts. The latest ABS statistics just came out a couple of weeks ago, which some of you, you may have seen, and it did highlight young people as being more vulnerable to the experience of particularly anxiety in the last last 12 months, with two in five young people aged 16 to 24 years experiencing a mental health issue in the last 12 months. That's 39.6% for that cohort. Of course, we know that that cohort is also our graduate population as well. So we may have people going through their university studies and then entering into their various professions. It is a time in one's life that can be challenging, right? You're coming out of university, you're trying to work out, I've got to get, I feel like the, there's pressure to get my career on track. Do I, I may have done some studies at university, but do I really know what I want my career to be like? Do I know where I want to head? So there's a lot of career pressure. It's a time in one's life where there's some confusion sometimes around identity, about relationships, about, you know, personal relationships or relationships with family and friends. So all of that can, can be a change time. It can be a time where people are, are moving out of home, sometimes are moving into state. So there's a lot of, when we think of it, big life changes that happen with that cohort. And then we see the challenges of entering into a profession at the same time as all of that. So we often see what I've seen more recently in the graduates is um, a challenging time learning because of all of the hybrid working that's been taking place. A lot of graduates are feeling like, oh, I don't feel as if my career and my learning is progressing as well as it should. Both Rachel Clemens and Sam Juna emphasise that Are You OK Day has to be much more than a slogan and a morning tea. It should be a year-round conversation. Here's Sam again. Three kind of key practical tips that a graduate could do would be um, first to be mindful of your language. Uh, so that's really going to impact how comfortable someone feels speaking to you. So if you if you yourself are using things like, uh, oh, they're using the mental health card or, um, you know, I can't believe they've had to go off on stress leave, their job's not even that hard, um, making kind of comments like that, just be really aware that someone who's struggling that hears you talking about it, even though you're probably not talking about it the way that you talk to your friend, it doesn't create a safe space for someone to then say, well, hey, actually, I'm really stressed and struggling and thinking of going to, you know, my doctor to talk about it. So really think about, um, really think about your language and think about how people interpret your language, which may be different to how you interpret it. The second I would say is put it on the agenda. If you've got team meetings, if you've got um, meetings with your supervisor, build it in. It might be a little bit awkward at first, but that can be how you can start to kind of create that culture within your team. Um, and then the third would be to, to start to know and understand what some of those early signs are just of, of distress or of someone maybe slipping down the mental health continuum are. So, you know, make sure that you are doing things like relevant training and building a capability that if you're going to ask someone if they're okay, you know what to say or how to respond if they say no. Um, you know, if you're going to ask the question, I would suggest that we all have a really strong moral obligation to make sure that we're prepared for a response. 
I really appreciated those tips from Sam. I thought they were really practical in thinking about how to apply it to the workplace. During the series, we've heard a whole heap of individual stories from grads and recent grads. Indy Lowe's tale was one of the most memorable. It put a sharp focus on the particular challenges facing First Nation Australians when they consider coming into the public service. First Nations communities have had a long history of not being able to place their trust in government. Um, I think considerations around joining the APS is entirely up to each individual and their values. Um, I think there are legitimate places in this country for activism and there are legitimate places for policy policymakers. For me, I think where I best spend my effort is within the system and within the public service where I can contribute to policy decisions and I can shape or influence priorities within the government of the day. Um, for others, the best place they might spend their time is as an activist outside the government lobbying for changes and keeping government accountable. Um, I just think it's about understanding your values and leaning into your strengths and passions. Um, while others might agree that seeing change in government is slow and achieving real outcomes for communities is easier outside government, I think government policy has a profound impact on the lives of all Australians, but especially First Nations communities. And we have an ability to contribute to social policy in a way that can only be achieved in the public service. I think sometimes First Nations people think they have to get into Indigenous affairs or join an Indigenous agency if they want to work in government. But as I said earlier, it is the responsibility of all agencies to service all people, including First Nations people. And the majority of funding and programs do come from those mainstream agencies. So it's important to have that First Nations representation in those organisations, shaping that policy and providing that perspective. NIAA and other Commonwealth agencies have responsibility for national policy decisions as well, but often this means that people in Canberra might be creating policies or programs uh, without having ever visited a place that it's going to affect. Food for Thought from Indy Lowe in Episode 7. Indy works at the National Indigenous Australians Agency. Now, as we get towards the end of the Grandcast Year in Review, it's time to utter a favourite public service phrase. Next steps. Craig Smith from the Australian Public Service Commission outlined in episode 10 how he sees the APS's future direction. And it's one where the recent past will inform the foreseeable future. The APS of the future and what the government expects, expects of the public service moving forward is no silos. Um, I've got a really good example of where um, the APS came together to respond to a national crisis. It was global, uh, COVID. But um, the Australian community needed urgent support, urgent processing of payments, urgent assessments, urgent phone calls answered. You know, the, the nation was in crisis. So what the government needed from its public service, linked with all of the other responses that the government coordinated, was a consolidated approach um, not siloed, not, you know, Joe Bloggs from industry or Joe, Jane Doe from Services Australia. So what happened is they coordinated over 2,000 APS employees, and I'm talking from entry-level employees. Uh, the graduate program at Defence that I was managing at the time, we sent over 50 graduates on their grad year to Services Australia, um, and that culminated in over 2,000 APS staff 
housed at Surfaces, Services Australia, trained on the fly, crash course in frontline services, right up, I, I saw SES, senior executive service level people, mixed in with APS2, three entry level personnel, all working together on a common goal. That's now minimum standard. That's now what government, and I think the Australian community, expects of its public service. Craig Smith from the APSC, giving us a glimpse of the APS's future. Personal stories, big concepts, and everything in between. That's been the Gradcast year. Plus advice. Heaps and heaps of advice. Let's hear some more from the grads at the coalface before we go. Don't put yourself in a shell and, um, you know, and just sort of talk to the same people and uh, keep your head down. Um, you know, network, talk to people. Um, I like to say a lot, it's not what you know, but who you know. Your managers know you're a grad and that you might not know a lot and they're always going to be helpful. Like, just ask questions. Not, there's no dumb questions. Look for as many opportunities as you can to learn that's meaningful to you. For me, what helped me is definitely meeting a lot of different new people. Um, it helps keep you sort of motivated, refreshed and like excited to see what you can possibly achieve throughout your career. So for me, it's definitely trying my best to sort of meet new people and growing my connections that sort of way, yeah. Next steps. Team meetings. Action items. Moving forward. Many thanks. Delegate. I need a signature. Working party. Procurement. Task force. Gradcast. And that's a Gradcast for the year. Thanks for your company and your feedback. A big thank you to each and every guest for giving up their time to talk with us. And on behalf of Krishna and myself, I'd like to give our behind-the-scenes production team a big shout-out. Throughout the year, we've had Ben Curry, Sahab Koish, Kai Hansen, and Andy Bell from Content Group, who worked on the show here in Canberra on the land of the Ngunnawal and the Gambri people. And a big round of applause to CSC, the Commonwealth Superannuation Corporation. Without its support, there would be no Gradcast. And that's a wrap. Have a safe and joyful Christmas and holiday season. Gradcast will be back in the new year. Please keep an eye out for our webpage and our social media for news of that and more. The last word for this year in review comes from Vanessa Rorty, a two-decade APS veteran. She told us that being a public servant can take you to the most unlikely places. Bye for now. So I worked on a technology grants program and part of my job was to go check in with the grant recipients and see how they were going. So um, one particular visit uh, was with a grant recipient up in Queensland and they were launching their new service that they'd been funded to help build and they were launching it at the Ipswich Raceway. And part of the deal was that they had to like put government branding on, on their, um, you know, their launches and their products. So I was the token federal government representative, so I got to stand with the mayor and, and do some speeches <laughs> and things like this. That's my fir first year in public service, I should say. And um, the highlight was when I got taken on a high-speed lap around the Ipswich oh, Raceway wow. in the government-branded <laughs> racing ute. It was uh, very memorable. I think it's